AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. Is this a sign of the fact that um, we're programmers' voices are being heard more and, and those needs are being brought to light, or is it just a, a byproduct of uh, what, what manufacturers need from your perspective? Well, I would have loved to say that that we absolutely changed the course of we were we were the revolutionaries and we were storming the gates and finally the manufacturers relent. In the battle today, we will hold the line. We went from uh, hardware connections to software connections. Can't be that easy. It's that easy. Today on a state of control, we talk with manufacturers about the importance of control and programming to them, their products, their clients. Um, what does it mean to have an API? Uh, what is the value and importance of updating firmware? And how can we all work together? All that and more on a state of control. State of control, episode 113. It's not convergence, it's reality. Welcome to A State of Control, an aviation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So we are very fortunate to, on today's show, we're going to talk to two prominent AV manufacturers, and we're going to talk to them a bit about their take on control and programming and automation and, uh, and how programmers play a role in the success of their products. And uh, before I introduce them, I'd like to say hi to my partner here at Estate of Control. He is none other than Rich Fragoza or Uncle Richie. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good. I'm actually uh, no racks behind me today, so reporting from parts undisclosed. Uh, good to see you, my brother, and uh, looking forward to this. This is this is a show that uh, uh, we were just talking a little bit about earlier. It's great when we can have manufacturers in because there's a whole lot of making the sausage that a lot of times um, integrators just aren't don't aren't always aware of. Absolutely. We're, you could have said that we upgraded the studio for you, but yeah. <laughs> so so we'll get to it and introduce our. Uh, two uh, representatives of manufacturers, and they're both uh, new to our show, but they're, I know, fans of uh, Aviation and uh, hopefully of this show. And the first is Tim Trost. He is the VP of Strategy at Legrand. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Steve. Pleasure to have you. And Rick, I got you covered for the racks there. So Excellent. And uh, Tim uh, is actually right in my backyard in New Jersey. So it's good to have another, another New Jersey uh, friend here. Hold on a minute. Let me go bang on your front door. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, another uh, uh, colleague that I've gotten to know over the years quite well. Um, he is Cody Hine, and he is the Director of Product Development at AV Pro Edge. Welcome, Cody. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to join. And, and like you said, yeah, I actually listened to a lot of the episodes that you guys put out over the last several years. And we're glad that you're, you're still here to, to enjoy them. So th thanks for being part of it. And uh, we'll, we'll try, try to uh, make this something that you want to continue uh, to listen to and, and uh, return as a guest. Um, so we often speak about um, products uh, and and programming from a, a programmer's perspective. We talk about um, how programmers are challenged with making different products work together. And, and um, they're really a lot of times handed uh, either uh, a design or a product list or, or uh, um, a, an API and they say, hey, make this thing work. 
Um, but today we're going to look at things a little bit differently. We're going to look, kind of flip the script a bit and look at it from a, a manufacturer's perspective and, and hear from them about why programming and control is, is important to them and, and also perhaps talk a little bit about what we can do to make programming easier for, for the programmers that are in our audience. So, um, Rich, um, for, you know, for, for a long time, we, we've um, looked at control as being an afterthought, but I think that that's changing nowadays, especially uh, you know, in a lot of our recent conversations. Uh, you know, people understand what an API is. We used to have to call and, and uh, get codes sent over to us that, that were a lot of times kept under lock and key, but now it's become a lot more mainstream, even to the point where control is a feature of products. So um, is this a sign of the fact that um, we're, programmers' voices are being heard more and, and those needs are being brought to light, or is it just a, a byproduct of uh, what, what manufacturers need from your perspective? Well, I would have loved to say that that we absolutely changed the course of we were we were the revolutionaries and we were storming the gates and finally the manufacturers relent. We went from uh, hardware connections to software connections. Um, you know, it's like everything we said before that once software started to eat the world, um, the manufacturers had uh, as a byproduct of having to meet the demands of the larger um, IT sector that's out there. I think that there was a lot of revelations when developing product to go, oh, this actually fits within our API. You know, we can go ahead and mold this in, in our API because we've already gone down the road of some of these things. Um, I do think that absolutely manufacturers have always wanted to embrace the community and the integrators that they work with. I think that there's just so many hours in the day um, and that when you're pushing out product because a manufacturer still is about product, um, that's the first thing that they got to get out the door and making it work within their established parameters. And I think external control has always been something that they want to do. But I think that there's been times where there just it hasn't been enough time necessarily to develop it as far as they want. So, you know, I, it's just an evolution at this point. It's a whole lot easier now to be able to deal with it, given that it's now an IP address and, and you can basically say, hey, look, as long as you're an authorized device and I can acknowledge that you're an authorized device, here you go, because you, you've made it this far. The bigger issue is when we were first dealing with integration is the door was wide open. If, if you know, if, if you had a serial cable plugged into this thing, or you could figure out the RS-45 connection between the keypad and the controller itself, um, that was the proprietary technology. That was the way that the devices were communicated. You were literally just tapping on and mainlining that information itself. So, um, you know, it, it because there have been a lot of um, uh, wins in terms of being able to go out and, and deal with just a computer, right? You know, a laptop interface. Well, laptop interface isn't going to be entirely too different now than a third-party controller. The, the UI and, and the experience may be different, but the, the bits are the bits at that point. So, um, you know, I think that we're just finding a, that sweet spot at this point. We're going to see it accelerate a lot more, too. I think it's a good point, Rich. I, I did a little research this morning in preparation, and I went into Avix's database, the, the IOTA database, and 
saw that control is a $15 billion global market, right? So at that point, it's not optional. It's 10% Kager. So, you know, exactly to your point, we as manufacturers have the opportunity to not only support the programmer better, but to put better solutions in the marketplace. And, and building on your comment around the transition to software is control is one key element, but I also look at device management as another, right? How do we provide the integrator, the programmer, the end user, all of the stakeholders in the food chain, the information about the products that are sitting on their network? I mean, it, that's the expectation in corporate from an IT leader, right? So, so I guess following up on that, um, Tim, it, it seems like put it, putting devices on the network have really opened that up, that, that some of these things may not have even been on somebody's radar uh, before products have, were on the, on the network. Is, do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, to, again, to, to Rich's point, it's 45 connections, all local, just kind of a nice closed system doing what it does. It's not the way it works. It's a spider web. Right, and there's a lot of lot of systems underneath an entire environment that all need to be controlled, managed. They need that interoperability, and that's what the network has has broken down for manufacturers. Cody, I'll bring you into the conversation on this from 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 your perspective, and and a lot of the products that you do not only live on the network, but they use the network as their backbone. Um, when you're looking at um, control and, um, and, and how, how does that weigh into the decision of, um, of, of certain product features and, and um, the, the importance of being able to be easy, easily controlled? Yeah, so nowadays, um, you know, the expectation is that we can control everything on every product that we're using, right? So basically, any feature that's going to be on any one of our products, we want to provide that out to all the users because, you know, if a user is going to or integrator is going to connect an, uh, a product into their system, right, and everything's done via software for everything else, and when they can go home and connect to their Alexa or Google at home and have it do almost anything in their house for them, and then they come into the office and have this complicated conferencing system or video distribution system and it can't do something basic that they can walk over to the box and press a few buttons and, and get that to happen, you know, the, the control becomes a, a very critical part of the user experience because they need to be able to do everything that they that they expect it to do. Um, and in many cases, more than what, you know, the end user wants it to do more than what the integrators are originally expecting, right? And so we want to give them full uh, full capability to do everything there. And when once we have everything on a network, everything can start talking together. And it opens up a lot of opportunity for everyone to get health and metrics on all the devices. Um, you know, what's their signal quality like? Uh, like Tim said, IT management teams want to know uh, who's talking to who, make sure that things are authorized to talk to each other. Um, you know, and security uh, is growing more and more as a concern uh, for EV manufacturers. And that's starting to become something that we have to account for in uh, API. Hi, this is Jennifer Goodyear and Erica Carroll. 
from the, the Women, women in, in AV, AV podcast, where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers, and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts. High development. Kind of following up on the, this, and um, I'll probably ask a similar question um, to, to both of you, but but uh, I, I could start follow up with you um, on it, Cody, the, you know, when you talk about security and you talk about features and, you know, one of the things that, that, that comes with is firmware. And I know that that's, that's typically uh, one of those taboo words because firmware updates um, tend to leave a lot to uh, up up to question as to, you know, what, what is the outcome going to be and how, and what, and what impact is it going to have? Um, well, from your perspective, do you have, can you, can you share advice to um, those out there that, you know, well, we'll talk about like what, what, what firmware updates mean to, to you as a manufacturer, but, but also share, uh, pitch a little bit about the importance of, of applying them. Yeah. So I think if you, if you ask any integrator who's been doing stuff for a long time, um, you might get some varying responses, but you used to hear a lot of, Hey, maybe update the firmware when you install it, but once it's working, don't touch it, right? A lot of people don't want to update firmware once it's running. Um, but now with all the devices living on a network, um, it, that actually starts to be a concern for security and puts, puts you at risk mm -hmm. if you're not updating to fix security issues. Um, you don't want to have a device that's sitting on your network that's running something old that someone might accidentally be able to do something malicious with, right? Um, so I think firmware updates in general are a good security practice, um, but it also allows us to add and modify additional things. Um, firmware updates now being done over the over the network are a much more real possibility and makes it a lot easier for, you, for manufacturers to deploy updates that give you more options for APIs uh, so you can do more things with your product, uh, add new features. Um, I think in general, as long as you're paying attention to what the notes are for the firmware releases, uh, check the change logs, make sure it's addressing something that you need or that you want, um, or general security issues, um, you know, and watch for any caveats of, hey, maybe these features uh, have a slightly different behavior, or maybe the API call changes a little bit because they found that they need to make some tweaks uh, to, to improve performance. If you're reading those notes and you're paying attention, don't just blindly push everything. Um, I think it's a good practice uh, to stay up to date, you know, on a semi-regular basis. And that's a pretty common IT practice nowadays too. They'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Tim, similarly, from a manufacturer's perspective, can you share any best best practices or, or advice to people that, that may, um, may, may not be used to updating firmware on, and, and the, the, uh, being prepared to support it and, and ensure that, everything goes smoothly. I laugh because Cody's comment on firmware is basically what powering devices was years ago. Never shut the AV system down. It might not come back up. It might not function, right? And I think the world is, is the technology has gotten better. That's, that's a lot more reliable. But you know, as a manufacturer, we have to think about the life cycle of the product and the expectation of an installation lasting five to seven years. That's pretty much what my expectation is for a, a general AV system, whether it be a simple conference room, sophisticated digital signage installation, a broadcast studio. 
those things are all getting replaced. So it is going to have a life cycle. Um, we are constantly looking at those firmware updates, as Cody said, for security threats. You know, ISO 27001 is, is a big initiative in our organization to ensure that we are providing all of our customers the level of security that they expect out of our de devices. Um, but it's certified drivers, in my mind. We, we wanna be certified to the ecosystems we connect to. Um, we have to make decisions as a manufacturer where we're gonna play, who we're gonna connect to, and recognize there's some walls around those because the maintenance of many connected devices is a much bigger mountain to climb than it ever has been before. And the more protocols you have, the more APIs have, it just exponentially increases the workload on the um, product lifecycle team in the organization. So we're constantly looking at how do we maintain the relationships in those ecosystems with the certified partners so that they are performing regression testing just as we are. Because the other element of it is, is we're only as good as the environments we connect to. And if the connected environments aren't communicating back to the manufacturers of devices that use those environments, there's only so much we can do. And, and that two-way relationship enables us to go through the testing, communicate transparently with um, all the parties involved and ensure ultimately that the, the system as deployed performs as it was intended to, regardless of the number of firmware updates that are done and who's doing those firmware updates. Tim, you, you said there the, the transparent communication between all parties involved, that's a very important part Right. And so if if you're changing firmware or if someone's got to do an update on some control system that now behaves differently or, you know, there's a driver modification for, for a system that's out there, um, all of those changes are really interconnected through through our APIs. Right. And so all of those need to be in sync in order for a good user experience and for stuff to not break. And so being able to communicate that and putting a priority on that is is really, really important. Well, you know, and I go one step further with that is manufacturers have tried to keep their ecosystems very closed. We'll only talk to the people we want to talk to. And that's just not the way the world works anymore. Your, your Alexa, you know, Echo example and, and others is, is the life that we live. Now, we've all had bad experiences personally and professionally with all these connected devices. But um, the, the AV industry has to open up. We have to recognize that once we got on the network, we are IT, it's not convergence, it's reality. And you need to abide by the principles that every IT manager leader deploys in their organization. Yeah, we've experienced that uh, recently. You know, AV pros uh, growing a lot in the commercial market. Um, over the last couple of years. And we come from a more residential background where you're typically on a more isolated network. Um, the installers don't have the, the structured IT requirements that a, a corporate network has. Um, and that's something that we had to grow and adapt to as well. So we've made a lot of improvements for uh, security practices and items like that. And we're still looking to grow. Um, you know, And the IT departments do a really good job of communicating those needs about you know, security compliance audits. Um, they want to know uh, the API information that's going to be on their network and what to expect so that they can detect if it's, you know, maybe there's some abnormal communication out to your device, you know, and so documenting those types of things and providing that openly 
to everyone, uh, not just the dealers that you're working with. So people can go in and verify that, hey, this is this is on my network and this is legitimate and this is what I'm expecting. That's good. Um, and then also allowing other third party people to write their own software to interface with it. You know, maybe you can't support that directly uh, as well as you can with your you know, other control partners. But at least now other people have an option to say, hey, something broke or I have a different system that's unique and you're not going to be stuck trapped with only something that the manufacturer is providing with only working with their only gear. So now you can take that API and implement that elsewhere. And so we need to be aware of that as manufacturers that, hey, even though we want to prioritize, you know, working with our trusted partners, you know, we still need to allow for users to kind of wander off on their own and do something special and do something unique when they need to. Rich, I'll pull you back into this a bit. So, so we, a lot of, a lot of what was just said, I think we are, are you know, go really uh, consistent with the themes that we've been discussing for some time about the fact that, that everybody needs to work together and collaborate more and, and, um, and, and how, um, doing an a working with an API is not just about, um, one particular platform or, or not about just two, two things working together, but it needs to be more, more open and, and universal as discussed that, uh, you know, to talk a little bit about the challenges that some programmers could face when they are working with a new product that, um, may, may have a very, uh, well-equipped API, but they just don't have the, uh, either time or or resources to be able to 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 integrate it and and what 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 that looks like in terms of you know what manufacturers need to know about that well there's a lot right in that question i would have been better off just listening to to, to tim and cody for the, for the next 10 minutes <laughs> part one you know and kind of what i got from this which was you know again it's kind of was always in the back of my head but but was reiterated it's for manufacturers it's exposure Right, they've got a device that may be connecting to some sensitive systems, and you can say in, in corporate IT or education or banking or anything like that. And first and foremost, the responsibility of the manufacturer is to that end user to make sure that they are not the weak point uh, of entry, which then means that with the integrator, not necessarily are you treating the integrator as another weak point, but you have to account for just what we were talking about right now, somebody who doesn't know what they don't know, right? The, the purpose of security, right, is not to be easy. The purpose of security is to be secure and to make sure that, that everything falls within line in the event of something happening. And then again, it's, it's not something that anybody ever likes talking about, but you have to plan for it. And then you have to kind of take a look and say, okay, if there's a breach, how did it happen? Where did it come from? Was it something that we just kind of went, yeah, yeah, the integrators are good guys. We know that they won't do anything, but you can't plan necessarily for if somebody's in a get, just got to get the job done um, approach and cuts corners, that's all well and good for the integrator, but that doesn't help the manufacturer. And that's what causes the manufacturer to say, nope, we're not doing this. We're not, we're not allowing for this because I'm not handing, handing a toddler, you know, a puppy and two cups of espresso. It's not happening today. Right. Um, and so from the integrator standpoint, one is researching your product. Um, two is collaborating. Three is, you know, it's tough because a lot of times the programmers just handed this box 
say, just make it work, right? Oh, you know, and by the way, in two weeks, they've got, they've got the big uh, all hands meeting. So, you know, good luck with that and, and let me know when you're done. Um, you have to get in front of it as much as possible. But honestly, you know, how, how do you do it? You go to the trade shows, you meet the manufacturers, you meet with engineering, you, you try to get at least as much of the front end information as you can. And you work your way through and then you work with trusted partners or if you're in over your head, you know, we're now getting to the point, especially like with security and authentication and, and you know, again, that layer of security, I already know that that one's the one that's above my pay grade. When I need something that has some very secure socket connections or authentication or keys or things like that, I work with somebody because at that point, I know I'm outside of my skill set. It's required, um, but my skills and what I'm being brought in for, that's where I focus on. And then I collaborate and bring somebody in so that we can do it so that the end result is there. Um, it is to the point now, especially, you know, the control system program, just because of the nature of the way that the tools were built, was often a solitary affair. It was a guy in a laptop sitting on a paint bucket in a construction zone, right? You know, I mean, it, 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 is, it is every cliche that's out there. But now with the tools, and we're even seeing it for manufacturers, where we've got multiple programming languages that can make it into the control processor, where you can have true collaboration, where you can have somebody working on the security socket, you can have somebody working on part of the communication layer, you can have somebody else working on, um, you know, an AVO, AV over IP section of it, or, you know, dot, 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 and you can bring them all together and bridge it. And so what I'm seeing is that there's going to be a need more so for integrators to say, you know what? This is outside of my skill set. And it's okay to partner with others. It's okay to say, to say, hey, you know, who has worked with this? And, and building relationships to get the job done. Everybody wins, but it's a hard one. And again, because it's a solitary, it's a solitary pursuit, it's very hard sometimes to reach outside yourself to say, okay, I've got to play well with others. Um, and and you know, again, in the same way that we expect the manufacturers to do it we have to be willing to collaborate with others and also bring that back to the manufacturer and say, hey, because they they really do love that information. You know, manufacturers, the hardest part, we always say, right, you, you tech support and, and, and people only get called when everything's wrong, right? Oh, your product didn't do this, blah, 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 blah. But if you're a trusted partner who comes in and said, here's what we ran into, here's how we fixed it, here's the things that we suggest, here are the things down the line can go through and can provide the tools to say, here's how we did it, Maybe there's better ways to do it down the road. The manufacturer, manufacturers will listen to it. We're still people. And they'll go, hey, great. You brought me solutions. You didn't bring me just the problem and fix it. I don't care what it is, right? But if you're walking in looking to be a solution provider with the manufacturer, you'd be amazed how far that goes. I, I think you bring up a couple of good points and, and the, the, the latter I'm going to really uh, key in on as we wrap up. But the first part about it is, is that the the way we approach programming and and control and and even AV integration these days has become uh, a, a collection of specialists as much as it it, it has uh, rather than just being one generalist to do everything and uh, I think what you're uh, referring to is is important to understand and and uh, some of the conversations that that we have. Um, regarding an API, when you're working with somebody who is entrenched in it, they think it, it's a no-brainer. But a lot of AV programmers are, are j just, it's just not what, what they're focused on. Uh, but the second part, which I, I, I would like to get um, both Tim and Cody to key in on, is 
but how, how can programmers help you? How, how can the, the, those that are in the field working with products, um, how, how can we make this more of a collaboration? Because I think that we're all trying to accomplish the same thing, but a lot of times, and in, in what we try to do on this show is just bring light to the, the voices of programmers. So um, if you have an audience, you do have an audience now to, to talk to, what, what would you ask of them? Uh, um, Tim, I could start with you. Yeah, I think what I would say is one of my favorite things about this industry is it's a community and it's a, it's a group of people who really get together to try to drive better experiences, to make one another better. And so share them with us, you know, the good and the bad. More often than not, I hear things through tech support of everything that's wrong with a problem, a product, but what is great? What do you like? Because the more we hear back what's working well, the more we can put fuel on that fire, right? And, and, and enable it to put better products in the market. Because our role as manufacturers are to put tools in your toolbox. We don't create the end solution. We're inevitably a part of the entire toolbox. And so my screwdriver is never going to be a hammer unless, you know, you're trying to make it work. But you're taking that toolbox to build the house. And, and we want to know how our tools are working out in the field so that we can design better solutions for you. Cody, a similar question. I know that, that you get your hands dirty with programming from time to time, but what, 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 what would be important for you to hear or, or how, how can programmers help you in your role and, and help um, your company produce products that are uh, more effective for them? Yeah, I think just giving feedback uh, when you're reaching out to any of the application engineering teams with manufacturers or tech support and, and like Tim said, saying the good stuff, the bad stuff, but even just new suggestions or just showing them how you're using stuff instead of just saying, hey, this just doesn't work. Right. Try and get them involved with with your projects more, um, but active, actively engage with the rest of the community, too. Um, you know, I, I really love what QSIS has done with their developers communities. Um, I remember there I, I'm more inactive, uh, but I love watching people actually get involved and communicate with each other and share their experiences and the practices that are out there, because without sharing that and without trying to help each other out, um, you know, it's not going to progress and people aren't going to know. Hey, what do we need? What do we need next? Or what new ideas do do people have out there? Um, and and it's really up to manufacturers as well. You know, for anyone else who's working in a manufacturer out there, if you if you have a chance to you know persuade your teams, um, open those doors more. Uh, some companies can be really hard to get in touch with people who can actually talk about these things, who who care to actually say, okay, just can we remote in or can you send me a project file that demonstrates the, the thing that you're trying to do or, you know, get some actual eyes and hands on it. Don't be afraid, um, you know, to get, to get people involved with, with these projects. They, it, it really helps everyone um, from tech support to engineering um, to actually see what people are doing um, to just blindly write an API and say, well, these controls the products, but if you don't understand how the projects are going to actually be implemented, that the API might not be as helpful as you think it will be, even though it can do things, is it an easy way to do things? Uh, and look for drivers, look for manufacturers who are creating complete package solutions that make it easy. Uh, you might have to go off-roading a little bit to do something special, but the general purpose things, you know, Rich was talking about, as security becomes more, uh, more and more complex and handled 
you're going to have to get drivers from these uh, manufacturers that handle these complex things for you. But look for those and, and manufacturers who are listening, try and produce solutions that will help them make it easy. Um, because it, when it comes down to it, in my mind, as someone who does other software development and has for many years, I'm going to use tools that make my life easy. So we need to make tools that make everyone else's life out there easy as well. Just like Tim said, we're, we're just part of the solution. We are not the, the, the products for the end user. Um, in fact, the end user, in, in ideally for, for both, you know, LeGrand and AV Pro, the end user really doesn't even know that we're there. You know, we just got to work. Um, but we got to be, we got to be easy to work with. Um, but yeah, feed, give that feedback, reach out and, and be kind of persistent if you have to, uh, be, until you can get a hold of somebody. Cause I think at most, at most companies in the AV industry, it's, uh, there are people who are willing to listen and who will speak up, uh, to make sure that you guys get heard. Appreciate that. That's a great, uh, positive note for us to stop on and, uh, a good, uh, good way to wrap this one up and love to com continue the conversation with you guys. And, um, how can people, um, get a hold of you? Um, Tim, um, Troy's from Legrand. How can people get a hold of you and, uh, continue the conversation, learn more about Legrand and, yeah. uh, and, uh, keep in touch. Um, out on the socials at Timothy Trost, uh, you can check out what we have to offer on legrandav.com. And uh, Cody Hine from AV Pro, thanks again for joining us and uh, uh, supporting our show. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about AV Pro Edge, and um, continue the conversation? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, Cody Hine, um, and I, I am on uh, Twitter slash X now, uh, but I'm not very active. So you can find me at Cody M Hine on there, uh, and then AVProEdge.com. You can find uh, a lot about our different products on there, and. Uh, Rich, how can people get in touch with you and uh, learn what you're up to and any uh, final words that you wanted to share? You know, this is great. The, the information that we just had, uh, you know, presented is awesome. Because if you can't make it to a trade show, this is the kind of information that you really should be knowing. And, and, and it's great because, you know, as we as we have Tim and Cody on here, you can say, hey, you know, let's have you on the show. And when you do walk up to a trade show and, and getting to know the people and again, there's manufacturers will advocate for you if they feel that you're advocating for them as well. Um, you know, it is that, that, that connection. Um, but if you want to find me, um, you can find me on the interwebs. You can type in my name um, at our Fregosa. You can find the company at fregosadesign.com. Um, but first and foremost, as I always say, I hope the place you find me the most is here on avnation.tv and our suite of shows, especially here with my partner, doing great stuff as always, as well as all of our others covering all of the verticals in our markets. Just heard you on Resi Week, so always a good uh, good listen. Uh, and, and for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media and my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. But as Rich said, you know, please support the show. Uh, let us know what you think. Leave us a rating, review, uh, share your favorite episode. Let us know if uh, what what uh, questions that you have that you want to be covered in uh, future shows, or if you're interested in being a guest, raise your hand and we'd, we'd like to have you on as well. So um, we, we do uh, want to make sure that we're covering the topics that the audience is looking for and you can help us uh, make that happen. So reach out to us and that's the best way to uh, make the show as valuable as possible. And uh, avianation.tv is the place to go. So please check out the show and all the others, as well as the supporters of Aviation. Uh, 
let them know that you're thankful that they support this show and all the others as well. So we could keep bringing some valuable content. We'll also be at ISE coming up uh, very shortly. So please uh, look for us uh, as well as uh, the manufacturers um, on the show. And uh, hopefully we can have some face-to-face -face time. And with that, this has been A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.